0: Take your Bibles, if you would please, turn with me today, if you would please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter number 3. So good to have you here today, our visitors, our members. Somebody sent me a text yesterday from the racetrack. I have no idea who it was. But if your tires are flat when you go to the parking lot, uh, look to Jim, not me. I would not do such a dastardly deed. And uh, I want to talk to you today about the mission, a church on a mission. And many times we get our mission all confused. Uh, They used to say, get the cart before the horses and so forth and so on so I would like to talk to you. Good to have our teenagers back from California. Uh, It's a long way, isn't it, gang? (laughs) What was that word you used? Preston, that Spanish word you used, make sure it's not a cuss word now. (laughs) On a text, who was that Sent that text message about and had the map across America? Who did that? Yeah, I know. All right, Preston, we'll see you after church. <laughs> We're not so sure who it was, all right. But 22 hours in a van with uh, nine teenagers. Uh, I'm sure that's a great blessing. <laughs> all right. A church on a mission. A church without a mission is a church without direction. That's right, amen. A church without a mission is a church without a purpose. That's right. Notice our mission. Verse 21 of Ephesians chapter number 3. Unto him be glory in the church. Throughout all ages, world without end, amen. Well, preacher, I I thought the church is here to fulfill the great commission. Yes, it is. Preacher, I've always been taught that the church is here to reach the lost. Yes, it is. I've always been taught that the church is here not only to reach the lost, but to baptize them and to disciple them and train them to do the same thing. Yes, it is. Always taught that the church was here to spread the message of the gospel around the world. Yes, it is. But the primary purpose of our church is that God might be glorified. I know a lot of soul winners that are not God-honoring. I know a lot of Bible teachers that are not glorifying God in their life. I know a lot of preachers that I think could uh, shape up the ship a little bit. Tremendous preachers, tremendous knowledge of the Word of God, tremendous talent, uh, tremendous ability to preach the gospel. But if the life of the man is not glorifying God, then his message is a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. I know a lot of homes that claim to be Christian and to God be the glory for that. But I just wonder, is God getting the glory out of all of it? A church with a mission. Unto him be glory. In the church. What's glory? Somebody said that the glory of an old man is his gray hair. Then I guess the glory of a bald headed man is no hair. What does it mean to give God the glory in the church? Unto him be glory. In the church, world without end, glory speaks in several different languages. In some languages, glory is brightness. In some languages, the old languages of days gone by, it's brightness, it's clearness, it's, uh, uh splendor, it's, uh, Praise, It's magnificence. It's honor. When you see a, a, a figurine or a, a painting of, of God, there's always three rings about uh, the head that portrays and signifies glory. Whatever it is, that's what our church is for. Whatever glory is in your mind, Whatever it might ring in your life, that's what God wants the church to do, to be, and that's what we're to be. Whatever you do that God does not get glory for it, you should not be doing it. Wherever you're going, if God cannot go with you and be there with you and get received glory from it, you ought not to go there. Whatever you say, if God does not get the glory and is God is not glorified, you should not say it. Whatever you wear that God cannot get glory in, you should not wear it. Is that good? But I do know this, that the Bible says that God wants glory in the church. Now, this thing about glory, God is, really, God is really is serious about this thing about glory. I don't know if you understand this or not, but Psalms 8 and verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who hath set thy glory above the heavens. Above everything. Even above the first, the second, the third heaven, above everything, God has set his glory, above everything that he ever created. Might be kind of important, don't you think? Isaiah 43, 7, everyone that is called by my name, I have created him for my glory. Are you a Christian? Come on, wake up. Are you a Christian? Why are you a Christian? Why do you go by the name of Christian? Why do you identify with Christ? For your benefit? Nay, but for his glory. And our life and our being and our attitude and our outlook and our all should be for his glory. What have we done this week that would bring glory to him? On the negative side, what have we done to take away our glory for him? Isaiah forty two and eight, I'm the Lord, and I have created you for my glory. Isaiah forty two, eight, I will give, I will not give my glory to another. It is a dangerous thing to steal the glory that belongs to God. Somebody walk up to you and give you a compliment. It's okay to receive a compliment, but not the glory for what has been taken place or what has been accomplished. Herod in the New Testament, in Psalms, I mean in Acts chapter number 12. And the Bible says that Herod was taking the glory from God that only belonged to God. And the Bible says that God sent worms and devoured him because he did not give God the glory. I just wonder how many of us are taking the glory from God by proclaiming and bragging that we're self-made men. Uh, That we were an educated lot. That we are an e- e- economical uh, achievement lot. I wonder how many of God's people are guilty of taking God's glory. Some who have been blessed with beauty bask in their beauty instead of giving God the glory. For not being ugly like brother Jim. I mean. I started to say me. But I didn't want to lie Jim. (laughs) That's glory right. We're all guilty. Are we not. Maybe not. Maybe not outwardly. But inwardly. We all walk around. Painting and glorifying and. Helping our little egos a little bit. Don't you think? But I I say to you today. First Peter. But the God of all grace. Who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He wants The glory that belongs to him. I wonder today, how does God govern the success of a church? Say, for instance, our church. I'm not talking about the church, I'm talking about our church, Joshua Baptist Church. Why is it that most of the time you ask somebody how their church is doing, they always respond in nickels and noses. We got so many in attendance and we got so much offerings and somebody come forward. One legged man gave up dancing. Snaggletooth woman gave up chewing bubble gum. God has been blessed. I suppose we could brag a little bit about our 1,000 to 1,500 members that we don't know where half of them are. And a third of them probably drunk somewhere. 10% living in adultery. 20% practicing fornication. Hello, come on now. And the other half we can't find. And one third of them we don't even know. And they only been here once and they joined after the service closed. That'd be something to brag about, wouldn't it? I guess God governs success by our church member roles. Or maybe he might even look at our attendance and brag about our attendance. Or maybe our bank balance. Or maybe our assets. Or maybe the facilities. And we go down the road and we look at the facilities. And we say, man, God has blessed that church. I don't know if that's true or not. Because God not getting glory out of the church, then it might well' be a barn full of hay. makes no difference what kind of structures you might have. makes no difference how large your bank uh, your bank account may be. no matter you say, well preacher, are, are you saying that our church is in bad shape? No, I'm just saying our church needs to get on the right track and have the right mission and that is to glorify the Lord Jesus in all that we do. What is the right standards? Well, I like to hear Brother Woodenbarger preach. That'll change in about a couple of weeks. Yeah, they come in and say, boy, I tell you, that old man, he can hold the corn. Well, when the corn gets up kind of high, you start thinning it out. (laughs) Because the stalk's too close together, it don't work. And every once in a while, we have a thinning not intentionally, it just gets thin every once in a while. Hello? and once in a while we need to get the weeds out. Come on now, can you say amen? And, uh, and we need to do well, be, be busy well-doing and taking care of the crops and everything. But let me tell you something, if you're here because of me, you won't last till the water gets hot. I'm just saying, bless your heart, here's the reason, here's the reason. If you're not here for this reason, you need to leave. If I'm not here for this reason, you, I need to leave. Under him. I ought to be here because of him. I ought to be here to listen to him. I ought to be here to be obedient to him. I ought to be here to be growing up in him. I ought to be here learning about him. I ought to be here loving him. It's all about him. If it's not about him, it might as well be about Shem. Unto him, unto him, are you listening? Unto him, unto him be glory in the church. I hope to God's grace that that's why we're here today. Oh, look at verse number 20 and it'll give you a good reason why you want to glorify him. Why you want to be what he wants you to be. Look at verse number 20. Now, unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Dear God, that ought to make a doorknob shout. Amen. That ought to make the bathroom doors fly open and shut just like, I don't know what. Unto him be glory in the church. Why? Unto him that is able. I want you to know today, you serve a God that is able. Not a handicapped. Not a drugstore God. You serve a God that is able. Bless your heart. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He's the miraculous. He's the water walker. He's the dead raiser. He is able to do. Thank be unto God. I missed a word. Now. Now. This great big trial you're in. This deep ditch you've run your life off into. This circumstance that God has opened in your life. This unsurmountable thing that was nothing a week ago. That you told everybody else that God was able. That one you're in now. That you can't get over. Oh, he's the God of the mountain, isn't he? Come on now. He's the God of the mountain, is he not? Is he the God of the valley? He was God on this side of the Red Sea. But I wonder as Moses and his crowd was running up down the bank, worrying and fretting and listening to the ringing of the chariots of Pharaoh's horses and the chariots and the, and the angry cries of the devil's crowd. I wonder if on this side of the Red Sea is God, God. Amen. Now, I don't mean that mousey kind of rat, I mean rat now. He is able. When you're sick, he's able. When you're not sick, he's able. When you're broke, he's able. It's not as much fun, but he's still able. And when a loved one has been diagnosed, he's able. You remember a few months ago, a lot of our ladies was trying to get pregnant. Now they're pregnant. I preached this sermon one night. It's better if you're sleeping in the same room if you're trying to do that. Luke, don't look at me like that. (laughs) God gives life. God opens and shuts wounds. God's in that business. And I'm glad today that Dr. Luke Amos can say God is able. I'm not so sure about my daughter. She's having triplets. <laughs> uh, we're going to name him Oscar. But God is able. Huh? In the fiery furnace, God was able. In the lion's den, God was able. And I'm telling you today, wherever you are, as deep as a chasm may be, And as dark as the clouds make me. Now. He's able. To do. Ain't them good words. To do. Are you glad you got a to do God? I'm glad I don't have a. Has done God. I'm glad I've got a to do God. He can do. What we need done. Right now. No, he can do exceedingly. Exceeding, abundantly, above all. (laughs) Be careful praying that your wife will get pregnant. You may have triplets. Exceeding. (laughs) Just (laughs) exceeding, abundantly, above all that we think or ask. Boy, isn't that a good reason to give him the glory In the church. Let me give you three ways that I'd like to suggest that our church, now I'm not talking about anybody else's church, how our church can give God the glory in the church. Can I do that for you, please? How can we accomplish this mission? How can we accomplish this mission? God has given us, uh, you know, our paychecks are going down. Of course, we don't have to worry about health care. That's all taken care of. Unless you're above 65. Amen. But how can we accomplish this great task? Our church, a task, this great mission. Of glorifying God. In the church. Will you listen to me for. Sixteen minutes. Number one. If we're going to glorify God in this church. Now listen. We're going to have to function. Like a body. We're going to have to love. Like a family. And submit to Christ as in a kingdom. Deeper. Function. Like. A body. My mind just said fingers wave. My head just said foot kick. My head just said, feet don't move. My head just said, stick your tongue at them. That's functioning. Would you look at Ephesians 1, just back a couple pages. And let me read you a verse out of Ephesians 1, please. Verse 22 and verse 23, if you'll look at that with me for just a moment, please. And the Bible said, and hath put all things under his feet, that's Christ, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Can I please help you a minute? The members are not the body. The body is made up of members. Members can, cannot exist without the life given source of the body. How can you be A spiritual, God-glorifying Christian outside of the body of which he's the head. Don't you believe this junk when anybody says, I can be as right with God outside the church as I can inside the church. No more than my arm can exist without the body can a member exist spiritually without the body, the church. You got that? And the only way you as a member can give God the glory is in the church doing what members are supposed to do. You say, preacher, I can't win souls. Well, why don't you just come and pray for us who will go? Well, preacher, I I just don't have time to do that. Well, why don't you just come and give so that those that do have time will go do it. Everybody don't see. Everybody don't hear. Every member don't do the same thing. But all the members are in that one body to aid the body. Is that not so? May I say to you, to be absent from the body Should be presence with the Lord. And I I don't know whether you believe this or not. But I I just believe with all my heart. A church is not an organization. It is an organism. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And verse 27. A church is not a dead organization. The church is a living organism. Made up of living members, living stones, breathing, hearing, tasting, feeling, kind of members. And in the, if he, uh, First Corinthians chapter number twelve and verse 27, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now, in most Baptist churches, the members look dead, they act dead. And if anybody were to get alive, uh, they would be a resurrection. <laughs> Amen. But ye are the body of Christ. Ye are the church. You are what to glorify God. You are what God is to get glory through. And your life either glorifies God or is a bad testimony to God. And for us to get, for us to allow Christ to get the glory, it is for us to. To function like a body, uh, well, preacher, I just go Sunday morning. I'm not hurting anything. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of a spasmodic kind of member. I'm not hurting anything. Uh, I've got a problem. In my left foot. It's. My Achilles, I guess that's what they call it, is not a Keeling. <laughs> I've had two surgeries. And all they've done is they just pay the receptionist. The pain has not subsided. The pain is has not changed. From the day I went to the first doctor and had surgery. And I want you to know, when it hurts... It hurts every member in my body. I can't even spell Achilles. I know Achilles hit his heel. I do know that. I do know that's where we got. It. But I want you to know. That sucker hurts. And it always hurts at nighttime. About three o'clock. And I can't get in rest. I wonder how many Achilles members we got at Joshua Baptist that think just because you're not here or not doing, you're not hurting anything. If you're not going to function a member, you need to take your memberships to dead church of the last Moab. Because this is a place for lively members. Amen. Active members. That functions like members. Even when he's at a racetrack. <laughs> sending me dirty notes saying, wouldn't you like to be? Oh, that wasn't you, wasn't. <laughs> Function like a member. Love like a family. Can I show you something? Notice chapter 3 and verse 15 of Ephesians. Chapter 3. How are we going to glorify God in the church? The Bible said, verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You know what we need to do? We need to start falling in love with one another. And start loving one another like God loves one another instead of like we want to love one another. Because the Bible said, to as many as to receive him, to them be the power to become the sons of God. I am no longer a son of Adam. I am a son of Jesus Christ. I'm a son of God. I've changed families. I'm no longer in the family of hate. No longer in the family that's destined to hell. No longer in the family of sarcasm. No longer in the family of negativity. I have changed families. I am not going down. I'm going up, buddy, when I get done. That ought to change me as an individual. The Bible said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It does not appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we shall be made like him. Can anybody say amen? I am a child of God. Are you a child of God, Brother Billy? That makes me and you brother. Is that not so? And me and Mary, brothers and sisters, is that right? Yeah. Me and Mary think alike, always get along, never had a conflict, nothing in the world. Me and marriage. she just always agrees with me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be your brother or not. Had no choice, did I? He got saved, I got saved. This is brother, brother. He's my family. She's my family. She's my family. She's my family. They're my family. You're my family. Amen. Hey, we're all family. We've been born into a wonderful family. Amen. huh? I never knew I'd have a Mexican for a brother. <laughs> I can't even say your name, man. He can't spell Wolfenbarger. We're even, right? <laughs> family members ought to love one another. We took a family out to Lee yesterday down at uh, where were we Olive Garden. Olive Garden. We didn't take them, but my little friend here saw her preacher go in. She did not want to disturb the preacher, but she sat in the lobby until we got through eating, just to say hello. To her preacher. That's love. That's honest to goodness. Zero one kind of love. And I would have just loved if she had come over and sit down at my table. Because I'd ask her dad to buy my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Unto him be glory. I don't care about how big the crowd is. I'm more interested in how much we love each other. I'm not worried too much about, you know, what kind of staff and how many buildings we can have. I'm more concerned about us functioning like a body and loving like a family. You say, preacher, where is that kind of love? 1 John chapter 4, if you would please. 1 John chapter 4. I got four minutes. And it don't take me long to read this. 1 John, if you would please, chapter 4. This is how. This is what I want Joshua Baptist Church to be. I want it to be a functioning family. I want it to be a functioning body and a loving family. Notice verse number 7, if you would please. Note now, let's not, miss a, let's not miss a word. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. And this was manifest the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. Here in his love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we might also to love one another. How many believe the Bible? You ought to pick out the most unlovely person you can find in this church and ask God and determine in your heart, you're going to love them just like God does. That's when he'll start getting glory out of your life. I said, that's when he'll start getting glory out of our church. Verse 21 or verse 20. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Unto him be glory. Glory in the church how can we accomplish that function like a body find your God given place in this body and function with whatever God has given you to function with and love like a family I close and submit like a kingdom I read for you Colossians Chapter 1 and verse 23. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Did you get that? Delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. The powers of darkness. And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In closing, I'd say, Brother Jim, that a kingdom necessitates a king. Is anybody here? What if King Jesus told you to be at church tonight at 6.30? What if King Jesus said tonight, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is... So much more as you see the day approaching. A kingdom. Necessitates a king. Why did my last point die on the vine? Kings. Demand. Subjects subjects do not make decisions on their own kings makes decision for the kingdom heads makes decisions for the rest of the body you know what makes dysfunctional families dysfunctional members You know why so many kids are going to hell in a handbasket? Because so many parents don't care. Because they're more interested in what they want to do when they want to do it and they're going to do it come hell, rain or high water. They're going to do it. And they have taken themselves out of the realm of submission to the king or anybody else. They are in charge. I just like to say the problem is is this king business in the life of Christians is only symbolic just like the one in England the queen and king has no power just symbolic tonight at 6:30 You'll hang your symbolic king on the shelf and you'll watch your God, that one-eyed monster, pump filth into your life and into your kid's life and into your home. Then wonder why your kids are turning out like they are. Because a kingdom demands Subjects and subjects are demanded to submit. And the only way God will ever get the glory in this church is for members to function in the body, love family members, and submit to the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. Amen. And all of God's people said, Amen. "Well preacher, how can I today, who' am not a member of the church, give God the glory? Number one, you can submit to him as your personal savior. Amen. He is dying. He buried, he was raised again. He lives today to wash away your sins. He lives today to jot your name in the book of life. The minute you receive him as Savior, you can honor him and bring him glory today by just saying, yes, Lord, I would like for you to be my Savior. And after you're saved, you can submit to him as your sovereign. Make no purchases without asking him. Make no decisions without first getting His wisdom. Savior, sovereign.